What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guests this week are North Carolina producer Larange and Nashville rapper, producer, and musician Namir Blade. We talked about our favorite Helper Ghost movies, our least favorite aspects of Quentin Tarantino's movies, the paradox of retiring rappers, black representation in the world of sci-fi concept albums, the similarities between David Lynch and Jim Jones, and the creative process behind their new album, Imaginary Everything, out now via Mella Music Group. Come fuck with us. Namir, did you did you do some prep for music? Because I've been moving and I feel very underprepared for this conversation. Got you, bro. And I really I wanted you. to do better by you, man. I wanted to do better by you, Dylan. I really did. I asked ahead of time. I made sure to yeah, ask. Yeah, and yo, did. I didn't make it happen. And I'm that's pretty much the only thing I'm good at is making things happen. We're gonna, we're gonna, th- this is gonna be as casual as can be, bro. Like, this is like, th- like, like the stakes are not high. The stakes are like medium, like low, mm. like, like medium low, you know, like they're like medium low. It's, it's, mm. it's okay. <laughs> I'm well, just, I'm just be at- fun. How much do you value fun? Because fun, we, I think we can pull off. Fun is 95% of this shit, bro. All right. Well, then we can have some fun. Amir and I have fun all the time now there's a little dog and and there's a dog behind oh look at that oh little bun sneaking in oh there there's the culprit (laughs) (laughs) he's looking that's where the frame went into oh my god that was hilarious he just snuck in that's adorable what's his name uh that's bone love it yeah, that's such a good no, that's my my uh, all my dogs. I'm I'm dedicated to having all my dogs having names that are like classic dog names that you never hear dogs called. Right. You know. Like, are you, you ne- gonna get a Fido? I like Fido Spot. You know. Yes. Like you've never <laughs> had a Fido in your in your in your life. No one ever. No. no one actually names their dog. Fido they only or exist Spot on TV. Or yeah, for real, yeah. like Fido. Like, on, who, even, who, who even thought of Fido? Like, I've never, I never really knew what the frame of reference was for that. I think it, I, I don't know actually, but my old dog was named Scraps. My Scraps, you know, my dog right. that I had for like fourteen years. That's like original. Is like the, right. People come in and be like Scraps. That's kind of a like a boring dog name. I'm like, you ever met another one? You ever met a single Scraps? You saw an airplane? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was the dog. Oh, I don't me, know. Man. Y'all remember when they shot the dog in, secu- in air- airport security? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That dog's name was Scraps. No oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, this has been incredible already. So, um, what's cracking, everybody? Welcome back to Real Notes. I think this is number nine. I'm pretty sure this is number nine. Um, Dylan Green, Cinema Sci. I got a whole bunch of names. That's just two of them. I don't really know that I have a whole bunch of names. I just started saying that and I just can't get, I, it's just there. It's just never going to leave. But um, yeah, so that's me. And I have two incredibly special people on my show today. Um, we got fucking producer extraordinaire, Larange and rapper, producer, musician extraordinaire, Namir Blade in the place to be. So uh, yes. welcome. Thank y'all, man, for coming on to my shit. I really appreciate it. 
No doubt, man. Thank you for here. having us. Yeah. It's I'm out here pleasure. trying to run errands and make sure I don't get ran over out of this corner store parking lot because it's literally World War Z in this bitch. Kind of like the Damn. old school Wall Street headset. Oh yeah. yo. <laughs> this is the headset for my for my old job. And um yeah, I, I um I did some liberating of my own. <laughs> I was looks just like, like this headset is high quality too. So I was like, I'm gonna keep this forever. Like for a second, I thought it was like an old PlayStation headset, but nah, it makes more sense that that's uh, I use it for my PlayStation though. My shit comes in hella HD. Hell yeah. That's yeah, fire. all you gotta do is just plug it in because PlayStation remotes are probably one of the most like universal things ever. If you have like any earpiece that like you can speak through, like you can just plug that baby in and like be ready to go. You damn near can plug AirPods into a PlayStation remote and like that shit will fly. Right. Like I'm trying to, I've been trying to hook up my Bluetooth joints that I got on right now. And like, they're weird about, um, they're weird about it for some reason. (laughs) These are these shitty headphones that I've had for years. These little skull candy ones. And the, I mean, I've had the same, I hate these silver ones, but I've just downgraded before I had like these gold joints and then the black ones and then the silver ones. And the, I'm just like going uh-huh. down further and further, but they like, they work with my ear. My ears all fucked up. And so having like the right headphones and the right comfort and the right everything for it. And plus I hate Bluetooth. I like having this mic right here, you know? Oh yeah. 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 The Bluetooth thing's kind of been weird to get used to, but yeah, I know what you in particular, Larange, I know you've been like you like I saw you tweet something about like you've been using that same brand at least or like yep. the same model for the last like however. Yeah, that's crazy. Like it's I get crazy. it. I won. I won these in a. Uh, I won the, my first pair in a beat battle, in like no two thousand in like two thousand eleven or something like that. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, and they like they did up the case for the headphones like it was a trophy. They had like a little dude on top and everything, you know. So it was like that first place prize. And so I got those and then uh, I just fucked with them since then. But they're soft. They got this leather and like the mic and they just check all my boxes. Plus, they sound like they're not that good, but I know kind of like how to listen for things. Yeah, they're familiar. Like, I get that because I had a pair of red monster over ear headphones for years that I used. Like, I used them up until I bought these. And uh, yeah, I had and like they were like broken and busted. Like I got a whole other pair and shit too. Like I get like I get knowing what to listen for and like having that familiar feeling of like the wire and it's that's crucial. It it makes working on anything that much better. You know, that's like, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. So to get things started, um, I'm gonna ask y'all the same question that I ask everybody when we first start this off. So like, for both of you, when was the when was the first time you went to the movies? Damn. I mean, I must have been real little. I don't know. You mean like my first big movie experience, or like literally the first time I went to the movie? Um, your first big movie experience. I think I I think that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that's you. I'll, I'll catch up here. I need to Google something. <laughs> I went to see The Matrix when I was probably like six, I believe. I think I was in the. The no, I was either six or seven. I know for a fact I was in the second grade because um, the Matrix changed my life so much. <laughs> just watching that shit from a young age, and just like, and even before like I understood what it was about, I kind of understood what it was about at six. 
and like the fight sequences, the music, like the like it gave me that full blockbuster cinematic experience. The shit was crazy. It was niggas flying all over the fucking place. Like everybody had shades on. Like they had that um that coinable party scene, which is like the the club scene, which is like the most one of the most iconic thing in movies of that era. Like everyone back then. <laughs> the one in Zion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that shit's yeah. crazy. No, not even that one. The first one when um And like uh, that first, the French the French lady, right? Yeah, yeah, the tweakers can to get that shit from you know. It was like a party where there was like a club down there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like Matrix one. I gotta and, say uh, the Matrix is the first movie you ever saw. You know my answer is just gonna be like dumb as hell right next to that. My mine's like the first one that came to my mind is the is the movie The Sixth Man. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. It's a movie about basketball, about a dude who plays basketball and his brother dies on the court playing with him. And then he comes back as a ghost to help him win the championship. That's, That's incredible. What, the, what are you That's talking about? Boy, <laughs> that movie is so dumb. That movie is so dumb. And I, and I remember I had it on VHS too, and, and I would watch it. And I remember I, I watched it with one of my friends and, uh, and I and I pretended to go to the bathroom because it made me so sad when his brother died. I was probably like seven or eight, and I was like thinking I was going to be tearing up, and I was like, I can't do that in front of him. You know, got to be a man. I'm seven now. <laughs> I'm, I'm seven years old watching this basketball ghost movie. I gotta yeah. I gotta nut up right now, mm-hmm. like man, no, sir, baby. not today. <laughs> Oh my god! Bro. In the bathroom, looking at yourself in the mirror, like, about, like one of the greatest movies ever made, and I'm talking about the Sixth Man. Hey, on <laughs> honestly, honestly, that's incredible because uh, it's Marlon Wayans, and his brother was not played by another Wayans brother. Who was it? <laughs> his brother was fuck? played by Kadeem Hardison. Are you kidding? Wow! No way. <laughs> Mm-mm. Uh, see, oh shit! See, that's kind of crazy because this was this wasn't the first movie I'd ever seen, but the first time I remember, like, because because like the first movie I ever the first movie I remember seeing was The Lion King, but I'm not mm. gonna tell that story right now. The one that I'm interested in is when I first saw Stomp the Yard with one of my best friends, Spencer, at the time, or, or not at the time, he's still one of my best friends, but like at the time, my boy and I saw the movie in theaters the day it came out. And then Chris Brown got shot and killed like in like the first like 15, 20 minutes. And like neither of us really fucked with him like that. And like this was before the whole Rihanna thing. But like we were both just like, yeah, like fuck Chris Brown. Everybody else is like, everybody else is really sad. Damn, I remember hearing about this. I remember somebody like either like wanting to go see the movie or not wanting to go because of Chris Brown getting killed in the movie that early. I have wow. some memory of Stomp the Yard, Chris Brown dying. Now, granted, yeah, it, we are we are different ages, yeah. so <laughs> but you're probably right. It probably was a car, like one of those cartoons, like The Lion King or or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't remember that. I remember the six. I mean, I mean, like I gotta go watch it now. Like I gotta, I'm, 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 I'm gonna go find it because the only other, like. 
because you've seen like Jack Frost and shit before, right? Like yeah. the Michael Keaton movie where he's the snowman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about, though. Those, yeah. Those, all those movies are so weird, but like they're Angels really in the fascinating to me. Angels in the Outfield, another good one. There were yeah, a million of those. These oh, like yeah. these like ghost loving ghost movies. And then you have That's, like ghost. a whole genre. Yeah, then you have literally ghost with the ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that actually might have been the one that started it all. That's kind of loose. Mm-hmm. I've never um, seen it. My dad saw my uh, first apartment in Nashville, and he came in and he said, "Hmm, reminds me of the apartment from the movie Ghost." And that was the only time he ever came into my place, and that was the only thing he ever said about it. And you never got a pottery wheel <laughs> for it or nothing, like. Mm. Out of the pottery scene. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that movie do. was chaotic. <laughs> yeah, for real. And like, oh, and, 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 and yeah, like Whoopi Goldberg's in it and shit. Like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a crazy movie. You got to watch it at some point. Um, Yo, which brings yeah. me to this question, gentlemen: Do you consider how high a ghost movie? Oh, oh. my god! Oh, that took me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh. You know? It's like, is it a ghost? Because technically it is, but it's also like a cult classic stoner film. Right. So so for anybody listening who hasn't seen How High, Namir, explain explain your reasoning behind that, because that's crazy. Because like um, my man's ghost is like a really, really important part of the movie. Like my man's like him and um, and meth. You know, like, they're real cool or whatever. Meth goes over, cops some trees. He's just like, yo, this is that redonkulous shit, my nigga. Like, smoke this. I got a little lady coming through. Yeah, you know I mean? So, like, you just slide out, do your little college shit. I'm going to do this. And he was, like, an expert at growing weed. And then my man ended up dying in the most zaniest way. And um, they put his ashes into the plant. And when Meth smoked it, his ghost came. And like ended up helping him and Redman um, get through college. Yeah, no, it's a ghost actually, movie. I'm surprised that kind of took me a second when you said when you said ghost movie. I was sitting there being like trying to remember how high. Being yeah, because that's yeah, not what I, I think of when it. I think of how high. You're you're right though. Is that yeah. the, when he died? When he died on the bike. And the and the shit just keeps happening to him over and over again. Yeah, like yo, like <laughs> some shit. Like, like a, he, a he gets set on Goldberg machine. They activate yeah. the Dick Van Dyke button and like this <laughs> nigga just dies all over the place in his apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's fucked up too because you think he's gonna like survive, like because he falls asleep, his like his locks light on fire, he like oh. ends up like falling like out of the window and he's on the ground. He's just like, oh shit, I'm alive, and then bam gets fucked up like i think he gets like hit by something or something and like it's just a rap and they cremate him and they smoke his ashes you know what i was actually thinking of the other one it's it's similar but there's another dude later on in that movie i don't know if he dies or not but that's like he's on a bike or something and then it's the same Uh kind of thing where it just snow where he just keeps getting hit over and over again i think it was that white dude i don't know what he i don't know what the character was oh the toilet the dude who drinks the toilet water Probably. Did he die? I don't remember if he died. I don't think Damn. he dies. He gets injured. Okay. He goes yeah. through like uh, some catastrophe where he's like riding away and then it just keeps happening. He got the neck brace for like the rest of the movie. <laughs> yep. Right. Yo, it's been so long since I've watched How High. It's, it's so funny because I was because um I was talking to Fly Anakin. 
I was talking to Fly Anakin about it when I had him and Sifu on uh, maybe like a month or so ago. And wow. So yeah, I got to go watch it again. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. a close movie. I watch that shit every 420, but I'm also too faded to like remember the movie <laughs> because I just be cooked. But I go through that and like have baked and you know the classics. Hey, son. It means it's a new yeah, experience man. every time. There's nothing wrong with that. Yo, you, you yeah, man. <laughs> I, I still laugh uncontrollably at like the funny scenes in each of those movies. Like it's That's great. A, when you're asking me details about this, I'm like, yo, first of all, I've never seen this movie sober. <laughs> and, the yeah. last time, <laughs> and the last time I saw it was probably 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, nah, nah, nah. We all gotta watch it again at some point. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do a, we gotta do a screening somewhere. Oh yeah, somehow. I'm with it. I'm with it. Yo, watch party. Is, is Groundhog Day a time travel movie? No, Ooh. it's not. I don't think it is. I'm paradox it's movie. Like, yeah, but yeah, would yeah, a time paradox it's... movie classify itself as a time travel movie? For sure, it would. Those are all like timelines. Yeah, because Looper is a time paradox movie. Yeah, um, and we definitely consider that like a time travel movie. But I think I'm biased because like any movie with Bruce Willis is in it, like I'm just like science fiction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah back to one of my favorite movies of all time, Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, hey, shout out to Twelve Time Monkeys, travel man. and science fiction. Totally. Yeah, yo. And technic so, and technically a time paradox movie too. You think technically a time paradox movie? Yeah, yeah. And they they kind of threw it in at the end. I think it was ba- that whole movie was based off of a short film that only took it place was. in that airplane, you know, or in that mm-hmm. uh, airport. And so, yeah. you know, but it's the that I'm removed from that movie. The more I'm like, it feels like that was kind of tacked on. Like that was the starting point, but then at the end, it kind of did become a paradox movie. But you're kind of like, yeah. That wasn't really the movie. The movie was about him coming, you know, the travel of moving around. But yeah. Right. He sees himself at the end. He sees himself get shot and it's all closed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nah, that, movie's movie's cr- that movie's crazy. Yeah. I saw the, I saw the short film that inspired it. Um, when I was in college, oh, they okay. showed it to us and it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I like the, I, 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 I like right? the, yeah, it's a French film. Yeah. I like the, uh, I like the Bruce Willis, um, Ter- Terry Gilliam directed that, right? Yeah, Terry Gilliam betrayed the fuck out of me. Terry Gilliam made me look like an idiot. I have, I have beef with Terry Gilliam because I believed in him. Because I believed in Terry Gilliam. And then you would not you would not believe how many people I was trying to put onto the Brothers Grimm before it came out. I was, like, I was like, yo, you guys don't understand. He doesn't make movies that often. This dude's a genius. Like, he's, he's taking on... Imagine in a world where this movie didn't come out. I just told you the dude who made 12 Monkeys is making a movie about the Brothers Grimm. Come on. That's hype as fuck. I would love I would love that movie. And except I just don't that movie is awful. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not good and he's uh I don't really know if he's put anything out that's like I've liked since. I can't really think of anything that like I like like, like that zero theorem movie he put out was decent, I guess, but yeah. Well, see, I don't go back to people that, and so I never saw Zero. <laughs> was, he uh, he messed me up there. That's cruel. To but find, I get it. I'm trying to find. There was another one too. It wasn't just. It wasn't just Brothers. Oh shit! There were like two or three right in a row. Uh, well, real quick, still... while you look, while yeah, you're looking yeah. for those, um, so like, let's get even more granular with it for the both of you. So like, what would you say is the movie that made you fall in love with movies? Like, 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 do either of you have one of those? Mm. 
the movie that made me fall in love with movies. Um, I got an answer man. for this. Oh, you yeah, want me man. to go take, first take, take it away. Uh, yeah. No, the one, I mean, because I've been watching movies for a while before I, but when I was like maybe 13 or 14, I saw uh, The Big Lebowski. And, mm. uh, and I, I like, I don't know, man. You know, my family has always had a real dry sort of, you know, uh, uh, weird sense of humor, uh, you know, all of us. And so, but, you know, even growing up with that with my family, I never really saw that in the world, right? So all the comedies were big and, you know, real hamming, you know, in the 90s especially, like, I mean, for being a kid. And so when I saw The Big Lebowski, even though it came out in the early 90s, when I saw it, it was the early 2000s. And I, I remember I was watching it in the living room and I was like 12 or 13 and I watched the first scene. So the first scene where... Um, they come in and they dunk his head and they interrogate him about uh, where the money is. And he's like, no, you right. have the wrong guy. And they keep dunking <laughs> his head and then it cuts and it cuts to the title and then it goes into the bowling scene. And that's one of the best scenes of the movie where they're just talking about what happened and the, while they're bowling, you know? And about halfway through that scene, I paused the movie and I walked into the other room where my mom was and I said, this is my favorite movie I've ever seen in my life. It was just like, I've, I'm like seven minutes into this movie and it's the, my favorite thing I've ever seen, you know, because it was just one of the very few moments or very rare moments. And since there have been many, but where I was like, this is my kind of shit. This is my brain. And I've never had that. I've never been spoken to like that, you know, where I'm like, I see the way I think in this movie. And that's, you know, up until that point, I had never, I had never experienced that before. That's a really incredible feeling. Where's the feeling. fucking money, Lebowski? Yo, you're out of your element, Donnie. Like, all, all that I shit. I love that. Like, you're just... like a child walking into the, the middle of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Oh, yeah, that... It. Like that honestly might be my favorite John Goodman performance ever. Like, either that or Oh Brother, Where Art Thou are my two yeah. favorite moments of his. And, like... And like the, and like that that feeling you talked about is so important and so crucial because it's like that you, you like it's exactly what you said it made you feel seen mm-hmm. like that's the type of shit that like I that like that really connects to me like just like feeling seen by something especially at that young of an age is crazy and um, that's a really that's great the first story. Time. It's, you know it's not like if I look back on every movie I've ever seen and they're like you're like you know what's the one movie that you connect with the most. My answer wouldn't be Big Lebowski, but that was the first time, you know? Right. And so when I'm, when I'm, you know, going through that and I'm living in a world of this sort of like very traditional comedy, that is some of it's amazing. Right. But it's Big Lebowski set me on a road to being able to know that there were, there were avenues out there that were uh, made for me and my, in my uh, brain, you know, in my young brain, I felt like, there's like this avenue that was special because it was made for me and not for other people. <laughs> right. And now that shit is real. Namir, what about you? Um, my shit is going to be like a really, really weird deep cut, but um, probably Lost Highway from David Lynch. Shout out to Lynch. That was That's like, amazing. yeah, that was the movie that made me be like, yo movies are fucking way because that movie was just so insane to me and um i seen it for the first time it was shown to me and i watched that shit and just like the the first scene how it was shot how david lynch like pretty much like 
learn to use surrealism in film and like how he applies it is just like without any like super duper crazy effects is like fucking amazing and it's pacing like the dialogue is like just fucking magnificent the whole time my favorite scene in that movie was when like freaky face comes to that party and um he gives like the main character the phone and um the guy answers the phone he's just like hello who is this and he's just like i'm blah 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 and he's just like what what do you want he's just like i'm in your house and then like that nigga just starts laughing and like just to see like the like sheer look of horror on my man's face as like he sees this nigga that he he's looking dead at <laughs> and hears the same voice on the phone talking about i'm in your house right now and he he's just like give me my phone back and then he just dips like you never see him again until like later on in the movie and like there's like a little timeline shift or skip or whatever the fuck and um yeah that movie because i've always been like a person who loves surrealism like i'll fuck with salvador dali and i've yeah. always wondered like how could you achieve that like that same style in film without doing animation and like i feel like david lynch is one of the few who mastered it yeah i, feel, right. I definitely feel like lynch like just mastered that style and yeah like it's, it's fucking sick so yeah i'll say lost highway i uh like i first started watching david lynch movies when i was in high school and that was like lost highway was one that i really loved but i noticed a lot of people that who like knew who were, like on that wave were like eh it's not my favorite like you know you usually get like like you know like your blue velvets and uh What's the one that everyone loves? Like, what's like the one David Lynch movie that everyone loves? Like, is it Inland Empire? Yeah, maybe, maybe Inland Empire or like Elephant yeah, Man or Elephant Man or or even something like Eraserhead. Like, those are always yeah. the ones that, that come up a bunch. But like, Lost Highway. And, oh, and on uh, Mulholland Drive. That's that that that's that's the one. So like, oh, yeah. So like. Lost Highway is really underappreciated, I feel. Like, people just, like, that's, like, that's definitely one of Lynch's weirder movies in a lot of ways. And, uh, yeah, I get it. Like, he just has such a really unique way of looking at the world. And he just, uh, he apparently makes coffee, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. <laughs> and he'll give you the weather. And he'll give you the weather. Like the fucking weather report. Like him and Jim Jones are the only two people I'll listen to as far as the weather report. Same here. I was about to say that. Like I, honestly, I would I would love to see them do the weather at the same time. Like honestly. Oh, we gotta make that shit happen before David Lynch like get up out of here. You know, like 2021 is like coming with a vengeance, like arm in yeah. arm with the Reaper. So it's just like, nah, man, we gotta get some shit straight before people get the fuck up out of here. Yeah, nah, bro. Yeah, nah, we need that. We need that. We need that. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I can see that shit now. David Lynch old square ass like, it is now 12 p.m. Take it away, Jones. Jones is like, it's cold as fuck out here. What's <laughs> <laughs> fuck niggas doing? <laughs> you, you, already, you already heard. It's brick out here. You heard? Like, <laughs> we, we all, we all. We love Jimmy. Jimmy's only getting better with age, too. That's the thing about both Jim and David Lynch. They both get better with age, too. 
Yeah, I never, I, yo. I, I never thought we'd be talking about Jim Jones and David Lynch in the same sentence. So this is already fire. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this is the energy we bring, baby. Namir, oh. your, your Jim Jones impressions sound like the Jay-Z impression from the Handsome Boy Modeling School album. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Speaking of deep cuts. <laughs> wow. Mm. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I piss my roommate off every chance I get with my Jay Z impersonation. Like, especially like waking her up. Hey, yo, it's time to get up. <laughs> I'm not talking about frozen under, water. I was under a door. They can't stop me from rapping. <laughs> Did either of y'all hear his verse on the Khaled album yet? No. Nah. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah, with him and Nas. Yeah, it's just okay. <laughs> man, it's, it's it's nice. It's nice, man. I fuck with it because it's like Jay Z. I feel like Jay is at the point to where like he don't really have to do it. He doesn't like he's given us so much. So like anything right. that he does do, and if it's like if it meets par, it's just like thank you, Jay. <laughs> you, you just say thank you, listen to that shit, and move on. Plus, him and Nas <laughs> collaborating again is. Dope, you know, Nas. Like had to come. I haven't listened to it because I don't listen to a lot of new music that comes out all the time, you know. But mm. I'd, I'd like to hear it. I have a general rule about not listening to rappers who told me they retired. But, <laughs> that's, that's valid, that's valid. <laughs> you know, that's kind of, I mean, that even goes that even goes to people I just know, like rappers from my hometown where they're like, Yeah, this is it, this is my last joint. And that's like 2013, and they're still hitting me up trying to get me to listen to new things. And I'm like, oh, you retired, man. You retired. Enjoy your retirement. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like that goes for Lupe, that goes for Jay, that goes. It goes for, for um, Mad Mad Logic. <laughs> Please, <laughs> I forgot that. Mad Mad Magic. Magic. Oh. Okay. Okay. I'm glad. Okay. I'm glad you brought this up. Um, I can't believe that's happening. Like. What does he have on him? <laughs> what is what does logic have on Matt? I can tell you this I mean, I don't know. I'm getting real loose right now because I'm just talking to two of my friends at this point. So maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what he has. He has a he has a truck full of money. He has, yeah. the same, he, he has the same shit that got Harrison Ford to do to the new Star Wars movies. Okay. Yeah, no, that's but like but like then again, even Harrison Ford only showed up for one of those. He's in he, he's in the he, he, he's in the third one for like five minutes. He comes back as a ghost, so you can talk. I didn't to, see the uh, third Kylo one. Ren. That goes back to my oh. trust issues. I saw Damn. the I saw the first one. It was all right. I saw the second one. Didn't like it. Third one. Eh. You didn't like this. Oh, oh, okay. You did. You you you, you, you didn't like the Last Jedi. Yeah. To be, to keep it real with you, I I'm I'm more of a Star Trek. I'm I'm a Star Trek guy. That's that's fair. Okay, okay. I thought, so I thought, I I thought like we were about to go hard, to some dark places. <laughs> if I was a diehard Star Wars fan, I would be there right now. You know, but if I felt like about Star Wars, how I feel about Star Trek, I would be there. But you know, uh, Star Wars is like I I appreciate it. I'm a big sci-fi guy. You know, it's impossible right. to deny. But I don't have those real fond Star Wars memories that I hear people talk about. And like, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying I dislike the movies. I'm saying that like. The original three, I enjoyed all of them, but like they, you know, that like, you know, just that feeling that people get with things that are so close to home. I see that in other people and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. And I definitely like the original trilogy, but I, it, it didn't have that same 
that same moment for me. Jurassic Park is like that too. I never had that moment as a kid where I was like Jurassic fucking Park, you know? <laughs> and so I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not checking for the new ones like that. You know, I'm not trying to walk in on other people's, other people's things and act like they're mine. I get it. Yeah. I never, like, I wasn't super into Star Wars as a kid either. I, you know, I, I, I kind of sort of have the same relationship you do with it. Um, I really, I really, though, I will say I really, I had a big thing for Revenge of the Sith when it first came out. I like, yeah. I think, I, I think that was the one that really got me more than any of the others. And like, and, and of course, like the, of course, the original trilogy is the original trilogy, but like, I was, uh, I like Star Trek a lot too. But but like I wasn't like super invested in it like that. It was like I'm trying to think of like the sci-fi thing that I really liked as a kid. Like, I didn't get into Star Trek until I was in my 20s. It was it wasn't until I started dating my wife that right. As actually, she uh, her parents took me to a um, it was like a, a modern like a pop museum, you know, popular culture museum. Right, and right. they 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 brought me there because they were like you know uh, I want you you know there's a Marvel exhibit and I know you love Marvel right and so I I went there which was very very sweet of them very nice but to be completely honest I don't love going to places that I love with people that don't love that same thing so the right. whole time I'm just sitting there explaining marvel because they're like trying to be like get me involved and they're like so who's this character and i'm like telling them but i'm like i don't want to you know that's not the most fun because i'm next to like all these other families that all know this shit already and i'm like this is iron man and i'm like i just feel weird you know but yeah like it's a field trip and you're the teacher yeah that's what it felt like professor Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like and and then i start catching myself going like too deep like i'm coming out of like x-men origins explaining all the things that were wrong about it like i'm sitting there being like well beta ray bill was really like people don't care like that but you know so if i start to get excited (laughs) that's that's when i start feeling weird and if i start you know uh just humoring them then i'm just humoring them you know but right next to it there was a star trek exhibit and i didn't i didn't know anything about it but they fucking love star trek and that was my best experience going in there and watching them enjoy star trek that made me be like i want to go home and check this out y'all love this so much you know that i could i was you know that sort of feeling that i was talking about earlier is i was like i could just feel it in them that made me want to be a part of it and so yeah right Oh, that's so beautiful. I want to um I want to come back to that later cuz I want to talk more about Star Trek, but I also want to I think <laughs> I think I think the um um I think I, said the I wasn't whole... prepared, but all of a sudden I'm feeling really prepared. <laughs> See? Like the the power was in you all along, uh-huh. my friend. Yeah. That's how that's, that's how that's how it goes and shit. Yeah. <laughs> so so like as so like as you're both kind of coming into your own as people and like, like as you're younger, like um, I want to start with Namir with this question, but um, like when did the like when did y'all first start making music? Because like Namir, I know you have like a whole journey, and like you've made like every kind of music I could possibly think of. And you've been a part of groups, you've done it solo, you've produced, you've rapped, you've done everything. So like, where did where did your fascination with music start, bro? Um, I have to like started at the source, man, with my dad. Um. In Milwaukee, my dad was a producer and like he worked with like a lot of people in Chicago. He did stuff with R. Kelly. He did stuff with fuck R. Kelly. 
Um, he did stuff right. with Bernie Mac. Yeah, you know, you gotta insert that. You gotta insert nah, that. No, no, of course, of course, of course. It was my shit. I was like, hell yeah, my dad worked with R. Kelly. And then, like, all the shit came out. And it's just been like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, could change things. <laughs> As a side you know note, I mean? As a side note, wasn't it weird like two years ago when everyone started being like, did you know that R. Kelly was fucked up? I'm sitting there going, what? Where have you been? This is like, this is not new. This is like, do you know that he's a Soviet? What? This is like 2005. Right. <laughs> Keep going. That shit just that shit just blew my mind. My wife came to me after that documentary came out and she was like, Did you know about this? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean did I know about this? <laughs> this is on the fucking we, it was already to the point where it was on the it was on Chappelle show. Right. Like, and the was, we all knew. People. We all knew. Like, everyone knew. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right. sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Keep going. No. No, you killed that shit. <laughs> yeah, we needed that. We needed that. that. Blew my mind. It blew my yeah, mind. Man. Man. Yeah, we had we had to get him the fuck up out of there with the quickness. <laughs> He's like, go on now. <laughs> but um, yeah, Hell he did yeah. work with uh him. He did work with um with Bernie Mac, um just like Rest a bunch of like R and B neo soul people, and um and like he was like popping in like the eighties and like early nineties and shit before you had like me and all my siblings. So um, I remember, cause I spent the first three years of my life in Milwaukee um, with access then. And um, when my mom, she let me stay over there cause she moved to Nashville to like try to figure out like um, a way to gain her footing here. Um, I stayed at my grandmother's house with my dad. He lived in the basement and he had like a studio set up down there. And like, I remember like waking up and just hearing like fucking Teddy Riley, like New Jack Swing beats. <laughs> and like him just like on the keys, just tearing shit up. And like, um, I remember one memory that I have of like when I like when it first hit me that it's just like, yo, I want to do this for the like, I want to do like, this is my life's work. And I'm pretty sure I was like two or three. But he he had the talk box, like the actual talk box, mm. and he was using it. And then he got he let me hop on it, and I didn't know what the fuck it was. I just knew it was cool. So I was like, Dad, and I was a little whiner when I was little. I was like, Daddy, I want to play, I want to play the talk box. And he was like, All right, whatever, little nigga. Like, come here, sit on my lap, <laughs> and like take this little talk box straw. And I remember the first time I took the straw, the talk back talk box straw. Um, I didn't know what to do. And like, I, I thought it was a straw. So like, I tried to like fucking like, I was just like, maybe there's liquid that makes me sing better. So tried I'm gonna to try drink to like, the sound. Absorb. yeah, I tried to drink the sound that didn't work. And then I ended up slobbering all over that shit. And he was like, all right, nigga, you gotta go back upstairs. <laughs> and ever since then, I was trying to get back to the talk box. So when we moved to, to Nashville when I was four, um, I ended up taking the, like the keyboard that I got, he got me a keyboard for Christmas when I was two. I ended up taking that with me and like teaching myself how to play piano from like trying to play things from TV. And then my mom ended up getting me a piano, like a better piano. And yeah, like the rest is history. I've just been on it ever since. Wow. So like, who was, uh? so like, once you started really making music for real, like, 
what like where was the first place you went with it because like i know you started like pretty young like taking it like very serious like if i remember correctly i read something about you starting like, like being a part of a group in either middle school or high school i can't remember off the top of my head but um middle school okay okay yeah yeah middle school was fucking so it was me um my homie la and um our other homie ace and um it's funny because me and Ace, we met through fighting in the bathroom. Mm. <laughs> and it's funny because I talked to him to this day. It's like, bro, do you remember why we got to scrap it? And like, we we didn't know. It was just like on some like young kid shit. And uh, I remember it because I was in sixth grade and like, um, fucking, no, no, I was in uh, fifth grade, I believe. And uh, fucking, it was like when Dragon Ball Z was like in the Majin Buu era or whatever. And I remember, like, something happened, and he started punching me. And, like, I just started, like, laughing, like, Majin Buu. And then nigga was just like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> and we just got to scrapping. And the teacher walked in, and, like, this nigga just had me, like, choked up against the wall, like, hitting my face. And I'm laughing <laughs> maniacally. <laughs> and she's just no. like, yo, both of you niggas have to go to the office, like, right the fuck now. <laughs> and we yeah. got in the ISS, and we traded Yu-Gi-Oh cards in ISS. And it snowed, and we celebrated together. And me and him were friends ever since. Fast yeah, forward to this is, yo, this is crazy. Up? You're not gonna believe it. That's exactly how I met my wife. Man, I mean that's like I think it's kind of I mean, I think it's kind of a it's kind of a classic love story, you know. You know, like yeah. the, the sparks, he started slapping me through. and I was laughing. Majin Buu, you know, boy meets girl, girl like boy, boy laughs like Majin Buu. Boy laughs like Majin Buu. Everything That's... is smooth and copacetic, like, right after that. Right? Then immediately after, it's like I was looking at her and like, we're dating now, right? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so, but like, but like, honestly, like, like, you're joking right now, but that's really how all the best friendships start. Like, just like on bullshit like that. Like, whether it's a fight or like a disagreement or like some other shit. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, just yeah. pure, pure tomfoolery. Yeah, like, like <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like most of, yeah, like most of my best friends who I've known since like middle school and high school that I'm still friends with to this day, like we all have, like I have stories like that with all of them, and <laughs> I'm still just stuck on you. I'm, 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 I'm just stuck on you and your wife fighting over Majin Buu now. That, that's gonna be my head forever. I know it's not real, but like, it, wasn't, just, that, it wasn't fighting yeah. over Majin Buu. I was just pretending to be Majin Buu. You know, oh shit! Okay, okay, just, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, same, same thing as same thing as Namir. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, you, you gotta hey, you gotta understand the part. <laughs> it's like that movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you have to understand the assignment. Shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like the the Notebook. I think is the movie where that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was just, just like the Notebook. <laughs> where the, and that's. It was like that scene where she started beating the shit out of him and he was laughing like Majin Buu. You remember? Right. <laughs> that was my favorite scene. Exactly. That's the only scene I remember, yo. And then like the love yeah. story just evolved <laughs> from there, you know? There was crying. Exactly. And then he's in the rain. There was a notebook involved. Yeah, yeah he wrote the name in the, the notebook. notebook. They all had yeah. heart attacks after he wrote the names in the notebook. They all had heart attacks. Crazy, fam. You're talking about death notes? It was a massacre. I was about to say, movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh shit, was, my bad. It was a no, massacre. No, no, 
It was a massacre, but it was also oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the only scene of I remember from the Notebook is uh, um, Ryan Gosling's character older dying while playing chess. That's the only thing I remember about that movie. It was uh, I. All I remember is that I've had several girlfriends. Every girl that has ever introduced me to the Notebook has also introduced me to the Avid Brothers. Interesting. They are. Those are like the two staples of like. I would I would put them in a category of. I really think you'd like this. That's oh, that no. sentence right there leads into both. <laughs> I really think you'd like this. That's no, and no, Game no, of Thrones. I really think you. And but Game it always starts with that. No, like no, 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 no. I really think you'd like. This. <laughs> You're trying to leave. See, no, no, no. This, this isn't like the other stuff I showed you. You'll really like this. <laughs> that's that's ex that's exactly what I did with my girl in Thor Ragnarok like a month yeah. ago. I was, yeah, I was I was and, and and she like it was it was WandaVision because she really liked WandaVision because of all the sitcom shit which I love too. But then mm -hmm. I was like she was like I kind of want to try these movies. And I was like you're going to love Thor Ragnarok. And she watched it and we watched it together and she loved it and that's You loved it? That, that shit is real. That shit is real. <laughs> so the key to that is you can't go to Guardians of the Galaxy right after that because then she's gonna think they're all like that. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta go to a different part. You gotta go to a different style of Marvel movies. See see how she feels about that. Put your toes she in. also she also really likes the Ant Man movies too. She's she she she's really she's My really into like those. the she's really into like the lightweight like yeah. comedic Marvel movies, which is great. Like I love that type of shit too. So it's Same. so so it's all good. Yeah, my wife loves those anime movies more than anyone else. Yeah. More than more than yeah. the general pop. They're fire, so I don't blame. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't blame what, either of them. But. You know what's stupid? I hate. There's one moment in that first anime movie that I just fucking hate, and this seems like as good of an opportunity to talk about, complain about this Please. as any. Right? Let's go. There's a. You know, it's like there's a there's. There's an example for like evil characters just doing evil shit for no reason. Right, like that's a pretty common trope in movies. But like, there's yep. one where he, it's it's the bad guy is like testing out the shrinking ray, right? And he's like he's bringing in mm -hmm. the test subjects, and he brings and instead of bringing in like a like he brings in like a lamb, like he brings in like yeah. a, like, a, like a little sheep, like a little, and then they do it and it turns into goo, right? And they're like test yeah. subject forty seven, and they're like bring it in, turns it into goo, and they're like ah, oh, didn't work, and he's like ah, oh, we're gonna get this working one day, you know. And he goes, and they're like, uh, they go, uh, uh, should, should we should we change the the settings? And he goes, bring in test subject forty eight. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm not done killing lambs today. <laughs> just just to show how evil he is. Yeah, 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 no reason. Didn't change anything. Just wants to kill some more lambs. Yeah, and, the, and that's the and that's the and that's the bald headed sad sack senator dude yeah. from House of Cards too, which is always funny oh, to me. That that, that's, yeah. that's so funny. To me. Bring a test oh. subject forty eight. So it's the worst. Nah, you're right. You're right. That's, 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 that's 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 deplorable for no fucking I gotta, reason. I got a goo. I got a goose some more sheep. <laughs> Yo, so Laurence, talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me. Talk to me about how you started making music. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I started making music when I was about uh, ten or eleven, and I, um, I, I think I was about ten because I had um, 
uh, been put onto the diggable planets and that like just changed my whole world because you know it was kind of similar to what i was talking about with the big lebowski where i heard some stuff and i was like oh shit this was made for me just me no one else can like this except for me because this is who i am and uh and and everything was just bass driven right and so i i was i was uh um like just just dying to get a bass guitar and i remember like asking my parents if they if they could get me one and they were real hesitant mostly because they were like yeah you know and they didn't say it like this but they were like but you know the bass sucks though so maybe a guitar <laughs> like you know just imagining i was going to regret my decision which it's probably a heads up play for an 11 year old that's trying to get into music. And they're like, do you know what you're asking for when you're asking for a bass? You know, like who wants to be a bass player when they're 10, you know, but um, it was specifically because of the Diggle Planets, everything was bass driven. And so I got my bass and I uh, just started learning all these Diggle Planet songs and it's just sort of feeling them out and all that, trying to look up tabs. And, uh, and so nice. I, uh, those are the days. Yeah. Off of, like, <laughs> Internet 1.0, yeah. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> printing out printing out tabs with black backgrounds, you know, oh, using God. all that printer ink. Just oh, yeah. Hearing that printer like start to smoke <laughs> because it's because I didn't realize <laughs> that you could hit a printer friendly version. Right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. real, real, quick, real, real quick aside, my sister and I used to do that with tabs too. My sister more than me, mm -hmm. but like, but like the two of us, yeah, like tabs. Yeah, mo tabs most and most cheat codes. Mm, tabs and cheat. There you go. Yeah, mm -hmm. like and no, nobody, nobody, nobody above the age of twenty six better act like they don't know what we're talking about right mm -hmm. now because that's 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 real. <laughs> that's real. The parents, my mom yelling Amateurs. at me. Yeah. <laughs> my dad and mom yelling at me because the, there's no ink in the printer and they just replaced it yesterday. And I have like, I sit there, I'm sitting there with like 50 pages that are all blacked out, you know? Okay, that's kind of raw. That's kind of raw. I don't know nothing about that. But. <laughs> yeah, you, well, that's a lesson you have to learn once. <laughs> you know? Real but, talk, yo. Yeah. <laughs> But so I, uh, yeah, so I was learning all that. I was playing a lot of that. I, and then I was in um, a lot of bands. I was in like live music, hip hop bands and stuff like that. And then right. uh, a couple of like random rock, you know, when you're a bassist, you get a lot of work, you know, cause people just don't have bassists. You know, most bassists are just guitar players that aren't as good as the other guitar player. Um, <gasps> bass is so underappreciated, man. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it, you know? Like, yeah, like what did Murderface on Death Clock say? He said the bass is the foundation of the band. Like that's yeah. that's, that's that's the groove. Like I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Keep it simple. Except didn't they didn't they like turn his amp off? Yeah, they turned his amp off. <laughs> no one, <laughs> they turned no one his amp off. <laughs> they fucked him over so many yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. They, nice they, were, they were yeah. Mur yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Death Clock was really rude to him. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> 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 They're not wrong though. There's some truth to yeah. that. The uh, <laughs> uh, so the, yeah. So I played I played bass for a long time. While I was doing that, I was learning guitar and learning drums and like uh, a little church next to my school that I would go in. And uh, I, I was never raised with any religion, but I told them I was, so they would let me <laughs> play their drums. And uh, uh, and so they kept, and like they just had an open room for music, like a lot of churches do, you know. 
and uh, mm-hmm. and and so I would go in and play the drums. And the, I remember the dude kept coming back like every every single day, and he's like, you know, I looked for you on the Sunday service, and I I, I couldn't find you. You know, were you there? And I was like, oh, like I got there late. <laughs> like every, <laughs> I eventually, I eventually got kicked out. It was I, I got a solid six months, and that was enough to learn the basics of the drums before they were like, <laughs> you can't back here if you're not like you seem like you maybe are just a random person that is just coming in and playing our drums. And I'm like, that's essentially accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you, just, you just you you just got what I need. You yeah, got that good. You got that good. <laughs> you got that good. Yeah. With my new age parents who didn't put me in church early. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. That's, so I, that's how I was, and then after that, I I went into college and was uh, you know, but all my family were writers. None there there aren't really any musicians in my family. And so it was, you know, kind of a, a different thing. I think I carved out my own little, my own little spot doing that. But and then um, I was in bands after high school. And then uh, I was doing production music, like hip hop production kind of the whole time, but not, not very well, you know, just sort of like as a little side thing. Cause I enjoyed, you know, hip hop was the genre that I was listening to the most. And, um, right. Uh, and then I got so fucking tired of working with other people. And like, there's something, I don't know, maybe I'm weird about this, but there's something like, like in order for me to make the best music I can, I'm, I have to really pursue some like really vulnerable, weird ideas that don't sound like good ideas. You know, I want to pursue some like bad ideas and then create something cool like that. <laughs> and how the fuck am I supposed to pitch a bad idea to someone and then be like, I trust you, you know? <laughs> so like, I just got tired of that game of like, you know, of being like, look, I want to make this song in 5-4. And like, by the end of it, it might be a dope 4-4 song, but I need to start there in order to make something cool, you know? Yeah. And uh, Got to sand the so, edges. I get it. Yeah. And so I just started, that That was kind of my entry into just doing hip hop production full time was I just got so tired of all of, you know, trying to justify my creative decisions that I wanted to do it on my own. Wow. Um, so while the two, so like while the two of you are on these divergent paths and you're like coming into your own musically, uh, was there ever a period of time for either of you where music and film kind of like came together in your head when you realized that they just kind of synced? I know that's a weird question. I got an answer for this in the mirror. If you want to think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, take, take them away. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually know this exactly because uh, um, I went to a uh, art school for a semester in high school at North Carolina School of the Arts, and um, I uh, and I was in this little uh, dorm thing, you know. With uh, I was probably thirteen, and I was there with. Um, uh, there was like a, a bunch of people there for acting and music and uh, and film, and I did everyone there for the first like 36 hours. I was like, I do not fuck with any of y'all. Y'all take yourselves so seriously. Like I am down. Like I'm a self-involved, self-indulgent, creative, weird, depressed dude. So I'm familiar with taking myself seriously, but these people just take everything that seriously. Like. And so I, I just, it was tough. I didn't enjoy any of it until I met the film people and the film people were mm. dope. The film people were down with any, they were like, you know, the weirder the ideas, the better, 
like just be out there, learn your craft, you know, like the people that were there to like, be like, no, the rule says you do this. Those are the people that have jobs outside of film now, you know, the people that were wild and like, like, you know, just be inviting these like crazy concepts were the people that ended up, you know, now being 15 years removed or whatever, the most successful out of the bunch. And those are the people that, um, I used to stay up until like four or five in the morning, just letting them put me on to new movies. And so they were just showing me movies constantly. And I, I was, I was skipping classes and shit because I was basically just going to school with them, just like racking up movies. By the time I went back to my regular school, I had become like the film dude there for a minute. I wouldn't say I'm that dude anymore, but there was like a solid three years where I was like the film guy because of, I went through this, you know, um, uh, just boot camp for like people putting me on to all this, all these, um, all these movies. And so, yeah, and seeing that and then coming there with all of my musical background and all that, I mean, that was probably the moment that like both piqued my interest in um, uh, the entire spectrum of film, but also with how music sort of accompanies that. Is there, is there like a, Oh, I'm sorry, Namir, my fault. Like, just one, on, one more follow-up. Is there, like, was there, like, a specific movie for you where, like, it, that all came together or was it just, like, kind of, like, the combined experience of all those movies that gave you that perspective? I think it was overall, I mean, I, I if I had to pull one, you know, I feel almost bad because I, I feel like there probably is a better answer to this. But, you know, um, the one that really comes to mind was, like, uh, um, Pulp Fiction. Mm. where you where you see that soundtrack just have such an impact or even like just kill bill you know where you're like you're, you're putting these you're juxtaposing these genres of music in this way that just creates this entire world like it feels like you would step into an act a tarantino movie. it's not as if you know it exists on some gradient between like here is life here's a movie and you're somewhere in here it's like he is like this is my world this is the regular world and the music is does a lot of the lifting it's like the dialogue obviously is so unique but the music is 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 really the part um yeah you know yeah totally yeah like for all the problems i have with tarantino he's really incredible at that he's I would like love that's... to hear your problems with tarantino <laughs> i would love that conversation that sounds really fun yo so real quick um he fucking he has his character say nigga too much and it I agree yo, completely. That's my take too. That's I agree completely. <laughs> I was like, the same way. I mean, <laughs> I understand my position in this conversation, but I completely agree. It makes me uncomfortable, especially in Pulp Fiction, because he yeah. created his own damn character just to come <laughs> yeah. in and say it randomly five times. Yo, he it was so unnecessary. Either, it had nothing to do this. with the story. Like I get like Django maybe, right? But like Pulp Fiction, he literally just created this character from nothing. And he's just like, no, 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 no. This dude says the N-word. Why? <laughs> he said, do I, I have a sign? Of- I call the shots. <laughs> Yeah. Is there a sign? Is there a sign on my house that says "dead nigger storage"? I'm like, yeah. and he said it like three times. I'm like, yo, I you know. gotta stop. You gotta stop. <laughs> and like, it would be one thing if this was like some racist random character that they were like, okay, no, it's important that he's that he just says the n word, right? But this dude <laughs> has no backstory. He has no no context for this movie at all. Only appears in one scene, and he cast himself. 
It's just right. such a weird combination of shit. I couldn't agree yeah. with you more. That he's is so bizarre. He's a really he, he's a weirdo in that way. And like the funny part is Jackie Brown is my favorite movie he's ever made. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's it's Love just Jackie he's. Brown. He's very he he's he's a really he's interesting. <laughs> like he's 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 a legend and he's made classics. He's very interesting. I have a lot of I wish we had more time, but like ugh, I, I have so many things that I could we we could do an entire episode and just about Tarantino. Just like, as a side note, I have two memories of white friends growing up saying the N-word quoting Pulp Fiction as a result of that movie. It normalized it in a weird way. Eek. <laughs> See? That's what See? I'm saying. This is the proof. This is the proof. This is why it's wrong, guys. Like I, I couldn't agree more. I was like you 12 years old, 13 years old, and I watched my friends say it. I have remember this so specifically, and I remember going, that feels weird. That feels weird that you think that's okay right now. Like, <laughs> that's incredible. It's from a movie. It's from a movie, bro. Yeah. He's like, Tarantino like, said it. It's his movie. He wouldn't dude, say it if dude, it wasn't a I'm the character, dude. Like, dude, yeah. I, I went to school for acting. I, I want to act out the character, dude. And, like, mm-hmm. I have to play the role, dude. Understand the assignment, bro. Yeah. I chose a monologue. <laughs> I chose I chose a monologue to oh, audition no. with. And I chose no. Tarantino's character from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> that's the... Oh, that's even worse. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry picked that one line from that brilliant movie. Wow. <laughs> Couldn't wait to rub his hands Other, together. Otherwise brilliant movie, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Truly. yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Namir, Namir, what about you? <laughs> um, fuck, man. The shit that, like, brought music and visuals together for me. So I don't know if y'all remember this shit, but, um, like, a long time ago in the 90s, Tsunami did this shit to where they, like, had a block to where they show music videos instead of anime. And yeah, I remember that. They sh- yeah, they showed Interstellar 5, uh, like Secret Star System with Daft Punk. Yep. And they showed, um, I think, a g- like the little gorillas. I think they showed like 19, 2000, uh, Tomorrow Comes Today and Clint Eastwood. Um, and no, I don't think they showed Rock the House, but they showed those. And being a kid and seeing um the NS, like the Daft Punk movie that shit blew my mind Joe because like it's like everything and the music synced up and I was always like a really really visual person when it came to music to where it's just like I could like see what I was playing and like like fucking like communicate like different keys different pitches to like different scenes in my head and like for me that Daft Punk movie was literally the perfect thing like everything just synced up so well and it gave me like yeah it gave me a lasting memory and I just remember seeing that shit and just be like having my my mind blown and um as an adult I still watch it like at least it's one of like my once a year joints like I'll just like cut on that shit and just watch it all the way through and as an adult, I realized, like, yo, this movie is about, like, the, the, the music industry. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> oh. and uh, like, that that made it even, like, even better. And um, then watching, like, the gorillas shits and, like, seeing those characters that they designed. Um, well, that they got, uh, I think, the illustrator from Tank Girl to do. And, mm-hmm. like, applying it to their music and making it come to life. It was just... It was fucking amazing. 
And ever since then, I've always like married music and like the visualization, the, the visual, the visualization of that motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to enunciate. <laughs> but nah like that was that was really a watershed moment for me too because that was uh the first Daft Punk album I ever heard was Discovery so Same. like and 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 yeah like Discovery is all over that movie so um yeah like wow that's and and and, and, and like that hits different too because they just broke up and like hurt my heart I've I've, I've been I've been a huge Daft Punk fan forever. I've been meaning to go back and rewatch Interstellar, and I just haven't. I gotta do that. Like you gotta soon. do it, fam. Like, It'll change your fucking draws, my nigga. Like on me. Oh, need that. <laughs> need that <laughs> shit. And um um another thing for you, Namir, is like I mean, like I know your last album and your mellow debut um on the Traveling Circus, Aphelion's Traveling Circus. Did I pronounce that right, by the way? Aphelion. Yeah, Aphelions. Aphelion. Yeah, Aphelion. Okay. I fucked it up a little bit. Sorry. Um, so yeah, Aphelion's Traveling Circus. <laughs> Aphelion's Traveling Circus is like, this was like a really, like, it's just a really big, sprawling, like expansive concept album in the vein of something like a Deltron 3030. That's the first thing I thought of when I was like kind of going through it a couple times. And like, <laughs> um, yes. and like, and like for you, like just, you know, like really quickly, like walk me through like what the like what what it was like kind of putting this story to the music you were making at the time. Cause it's like it's like it's really like a it's a pretty massive effort. Like like that's a really huge album. Like just like content wise. Oh yeah, yeah. Which intimidated me a lot about like even thinking of like that being the album that I sent in because it's just like man, I've seen so many concept albums just not work out in this day and age but i was just like man it's something that i've always wanted to do i've always been an imaginative person and like the world of like that affiliate takes place in it's a world that i've been building on since a small child because i grew up um doing text-based online role play which is like essentially just getting a bunch of people together in like group chats and um like on a site and just having a cooperative story be like typed out and you create characters and all of that shit. So that whole universe was kind of like a universe that I've expounded on from like RPN from ages like fucking 12 to 18. And um, since I don't RP anymore, I've garnered most of my writing attention to um, just writing raps and expressing like, a lot of storylines, ideas, arcs, so on and so forth through like um, either writing or like producing music. And I've always loved science fiction and science fiction was like my favorite style of role play to do because you could be as creative as you want. It's just like, you could literally de-atomize a nigga like in a, like if you, if you box in with him. So it was just in, yeah, like all of my characters was just like crazy OP. It was OP, but like fun, you know? And Affiliarms is kind of just like an amalgamation of that and like my sheer love for like science fiction from like how it's portrayed through media, um, through like visual like visuals and videos, how it's portrayed through the soundtracks and the scores, like and I wanted it to be just like this amazing thing. I wanted it to affect people how Blade Runner affected me when I watched it for the first time. Mm. 
man say that and like it's really yeah like it's really dope to hear about all the rp and like role-playing shit because a lot of because yeah like i grew up with a lot of people like specifically black people who did that type of shit like i was i wasn't i wasn't as deep in it but like all Mm -hmm. my friends were and there's always been this like misconception that like niggas don't like that shit and like they do you know, mm-hmm. and and that's what and, and that's one of the things I really appreciated about Aphelion's traveling circus is that like it kind of just reinforces like, yeah, we're here. Like we like mm-hmm. this stuff. We want to express ourselves through this stuff. And like you did it in a way that was really like not confrontational, but like just very you stayed 10 toes and you didn't like yeah. water it down for anybody. And like that's like respect for real. Like, yeah. oh, no, man, I'm a like of you being a musician and a creative as like, you have a responsibility um, to whatever culture you come from to expound on that, celebrate that and bring a light to it. And um, yeah, if I would have done like, if I would have started with anything else, it would have been just like a, a disservice to one of the most biggest cultures that inspired me that I was a part of that kept me out of trouble when I was young and getting into shit. And it's just like, no, I got to do it. Got to do it to pay homage because there's not a lot of visibility with people like that in hip hop specifically. And I peep that like now everybody's like on this um, anime wave. Thank you, Megan. Um, (laughs) I'm just like, cool. Like, because y'all are like in this and y'all are like bringing like a light to this in whatever capacity you can and whatever way you can interface with that shit. It's just like, it makes it easier for people like me to come along and like really be able to like speak and um elaborate like on the culture that's influenced a lot of us that we may be afraid to talk about um because we might face rejection and all of that right and yeah you know like it's it's like i've seen like i've just seen that come more from like other people's own ignorance about like the type of people they'd be around versus like how it actually is you know like we we all we all live in our own heads and it can feel like we're alone until you hear something like what you put out and you hear something like imaginary everything. And it's like, oh, you know, like that's that's one of the things I love about music and one of the things I love about the internet and one of the things I love about movies is that they like, it's all like at its best, it's, it's, it's a communal effort and it makes everything feel so like, it just makes you feel less alone, you know? Like that's yeah. everything, that's really everything. Um, so on that note, when did you two first meet and how did imaginary everything come together? I really enjoyed that, by the way. Thank you. Just a side note, just as a fan, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I haven't heard you I haven't heard you all talk about uh about Aphelions like that. And that was it's, it was a lot of interesting things I hadn't I hadn't thought of though. <sighs> Man. Uh, do you, do you want to take it away? Oh, was- when we met? Well, yeah. you, actually say when we met because i think we met before we met <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we, we both lived in nashville <laughs> you know right so, right right yeah and so I, I i think we met at some point but like i don't know man i i don't really ignored me not like a <laughs> i'm not like a social dude <laughs> i'm not like a, a social person like, this is like when i'm out i kind of am like very uncomfortable you know, and so when, you know, and so some people take that the wrong way, but I, I'm just very uncomfortable out, out in the world sometimes. Um, well, oh my so, God. Like, I always, 
I always enjoy I always enjoy my conversations with Namir because we we it's such an interesting compliment. Like because like I love talking to people, but I just like talking to people in, in sort of a, a, a safe, safe place where I'm, you know, comfortable. And um and you know, Namir is so fucking bombastic and awesome. So it's 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 a nice, it's a fun even just to be a part of talking with them, it's fun because we, we're very opposites, but it seems like there's such a, a, a middle ground where we both exist, you know, it's just a lot of fun. But um, no, the first time we met, I think somebody introduced us at some show or something like that. And I probably, I probably wasn't really trying to meet people because I'm never really trying to meet people. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I always like having context. When, when people are like, yo, you, you got to meet this dude. I'm like, do I? Because 99% of the time when someone says that, I really don't to meet that person. <laughs> I, could, I could just keep living and not know that person. They would be okay. You know? Um, and so we probably met each other and I probably just said, what up? And we just left, you know? But... Um, exactly uh, how I would. That sounds like me. Fuck out of there, yo. Yeah, um, I don't like I don't like meeting people. <laughs> just saying the same shit. I don't know, man. Just saying the same shit I've said a thousand times. And I don't like lying to people either. And it feels like lying when I'm sitting there being like, oh, it's so good to meet you. You're like, I, I don't know if it's good to meet you. I don't know if it is. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> I could stop. And so when I'm, uh, uh, we met, and I think I think some I think somebody in Nashville put put me onto him, and I, I didn't really know what was going on. It was probably thirty people that night, you know. And so, um, but then like years later, I was uh, um, uh, I was looking into this one artist, and then I kept uh, listening to the production. And I was like, Yo, who who was producing this shit? That's what I want to know. And then it turned out that all my favorite tracks were all produced by Namir. And then I was like, Oh shit, that's kind you know that's kind of dope and so i was i was looking at and then uh and then i started hearing him rhyme and singing and i was like oh my god like who is this dude you know and um and so yeah no and we we actually we connected and when i was already in seattle but we first met when i was in nashville probably Mm -hmm. that same shit happened with amerigo gazaway by the way if you're familiar with him (laughs) or i Amerigo Gazaway, he did, he does like Nashville. Oh. He did like Fela Kuti and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, 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 right. He was Sorry, in Nashville I too. Blanked. No, Shout out to no him. he's amazing. <laughs> this is like 2011 when we would have met. But the first time we met, I think we were both kind of just like, you know, oh, you got to meet this dude. This is Amerigo Gazaway. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, man. Peace. And then <laughs> I, I just left. And then like I was listening to his album and I was like, is this the dude I met? Like, and so the next time I saw him, I was like, hey, so are you that guy who does that those matchups? And he was like, "Are you that dude that did the Mad Rider?" And I'm like, "Fuck oh, yeah!" Like, yeah, all right, all right, you know. So it's like I never, I, I don't know who I'm, you know. Unless I have some context, it's hard for me to pretend like I'm excited. You know? Right. Um, well, you- but Namir, just you know, listening to him from Seattle was just fucking crazy, and so. I, I didn't really plan when we first we first met. I put him on. I put Mellow onto him, and um, and uh, and that that sort of you know escalated in a dope way. And then uh, I uh, hit him up in December to see or November to see if he wanted to do like an EP with me because I was kind of just trying to figure out what I wanted to do next creatively. Then we ended up sort of just figuring it out and making you know a whole a whole LP and 
came out pretty pretty dope. So. Yes, sir. Best shit in the world, yo. No, Best well, shit in the world. I, tell, I think what I said was pretty dope. I think what I said was pretty dope, but what I meant best shit in the world. That shit yes. is going to change lives. We're going to have bitches crying in the middle of the street, holding their children close to their bosoms. Mm-hmm. Like, niggas going to be doing backflips. Because they're scared <laughs> of the potential of the music. Singing I Can Change Hold and on. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the CIA <laughs> is going to ban me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's what happens. That's what happens <laughs> when you make an album that, that's this good. The yeah. CIA bans you. Yeah, like wow. heads will explode. <laughs> <laughs> That's ho- yeah. So um people are gonna get set on fire like how high? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. People uh, yeah. Yo, not even that. People are just gonna like self-immolate in the streets, like and and, and then like the smoke's gonna mm-hmm. come up and it's gonna say listen to imaginary everything as they're burning yes. into the atmosphere. Like <laughs> that's a good promo idea. Bring me subject 57. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um <Need> a lamb. <laughs> so um, so like kind of um I mean, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but like, I'm really interested in like how the concept for imaginary everything kind of came together, especially um, uh, for Namir, because like considering how, considering how like expansive and like wide Aphelion's traveling circus was, and then coming into something that's uh, a little looser, like with imaginary everything, like what was uh, what was it like going from there to here and like working with Larange for a full joint? <sighs> And that's really for both of you, but please feel free to start. Um, yeah, so um, L hit me up, and he was just like, yo, let's do some shit. And I was like, all right, bet. And he was just like, one rule, have fun. Fuck it. Just do whatever. Just have fun. Just have fun, man. Like, don't, don't think about it too much. Just, hey, hey, don't think about it. Have fun. And um, at the time, like, I was just like, ah, ah, sophomore project. <laughs> <laughs> and he called me and just be like, hey, have fun. So um, he started sending me beats and um, we ended up like just having like a million phone calls, hashing it out, picking out like um, like some of the waviest beats and shit and like shooting them drafts and shit. And um, like just personally through creating it, I viewed it as a challenge because, um, yeah, I haven't rapped on like fucking like hip hop, hip hop beats, um, in like such a long time. And, um, I was just like, yo, I want to be able to like still dabble like in this area. And I remember like, I had a lot of fun while doing it. Um, like doing stuff like my, my, first um my first little project or at least when i was 18 or some shit and i was just like yo i want to get back to that this shit came out at like like came around at the perfect time so i just started watching a bunch of um fun movies like i definitely watched the big lebowski i watched like a shit ton of like old black exploitation films i slid jackie brown in there hey. um I watched a fucking goofy movie, like all the movies that, like, you know, what I mean, like reminded me to have fun. And I just developed this character 
out of the whole thing. And I was just like, all right, this character is just like a late 70s, early 80s, like um, music exec scumbag. And I'm just going to rap about this nigga's life and relate that to like shit that I've gone through as well so that the connection can still remain. And um, like the beats that uh, Elle sent to me that I connected most with, they just had like this real like 60s, 70s psych rock um, deal to them. And um, yeah, I just gravitated like towards those and like just shit that just sounded like fucking black superhero music. And um, yeah, I just I just wrote like I'd listen to them every day. I'd freestyle to them in the living room. Uh, back then, I was like working from home, and uh, like I have my work computer on my desk, and then I have my other computer on my little like end table. And like between calls, while I'm helping people with issues, like I just like pause the call and then just start freestyling and writing. And that's how that shit came together. But it was definitely like, um, it was definitely like a lot of growth for me on my part. Um, and I had to like apply like not as much discipline as I would normally apply um, when I'm working on like my personal shit. And um, I ended up just having a blast recording it all and like just putting it together. And like when it finally came together, and I listened to it when we got the master sent back. I was just like, oh, man, it sounds this is this is what I was going for. Like, this is fun. I danced around the house to that shit. I called L and we talked about it and just how excited we were. So like all in all, it was like a really, really good, fun experience. And it also commanded me to grow in a lot of ways that I didn't know I could so all in all, like, yeah, one of the most wavy experiences I've had, like, putting a project together. Because I haven't rapped on Not My Beats in a long time. <laughs> right, yeah. I haven't rapped on beats that weren't really mine in, like, a long time. And it was just cool to just do a project to where I didn't have to, like, worry about production or garnering the sound. And I got to allow, like, another individual to, like, imagine how they would like my voice on like a beat or something and like pretty much like work with them to like come up with something like totally new. So that shit was ill. Right, man. Yeah. So like, so like it's loose, but not too loose. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, because yeah, because, because yeah, like I had, I hadn't even picked up on the fact that this was like a character to kind of sort of like be following ish from song to song. So um, I'm I, I'm I'm looking forward to going back and kind of having that mindset because yeah like even even a song like gassed up like gassed up is something that like that gives me very like I can't think of like a specific movie but like it definitely gives me like black exploitation vibes it's just got that bounce and the grain and the and the bells in the background like just those little details in the beat and, and the you baseline baby and the baseline son like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you just came at that the flow you caught like yeah it's just i think i think that's like the perfect synthesis of what you were just talking about on there and then yeah like you and you and frank going back and forth on it like yeah yeah tough shit and like side like fucking side easter egg um <laughs> there's a part in gassed up to where i'm doing my best cameron <laughs> 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 because i wanted to tap into like all the wavy niggas that i grew up listening to and uh i told l i was just like yo 
<laughs> there's gonna be a song that I just start rapping like Cameron on, and you just gotta deal. With it. <laughs> you just gotta <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> uh, his face right now is kind of precious. Nobody can see it. But <laughs> I was just like, I was like, I'm coming with my best Cameron flow. <laughs> That's fire. Not That's... sorry about it either. I love Killer. That's gas. Yeah. Shout out, shout out, sh- shout out to Killer Cam, man. He invented pink. Shout out to him. <laughs> uh, before before I move on, I forgot to mention um my boy, um, my boy, my boy Brian Brown is on Affiliate's traveling circus too. And shout out to him because he's amazing too. Yeah, he's, that's he's my brother. That, yeah, bro. He always like come on to a track like he just woke up and it's the perfect day. Yeah. And like <laughs> I'm just like, how the fuck do you just get that energy, bro? Like, <laughs> like yeah. He goes from, uh, like, Spitta to, like, 60 in, like, two seconds. He's crazy with it. He's crazy. Yeah, yo. Like, yeah, amazing guy. My mans. I got to call him. Yeah, man. Me too. <laughs> but, um, so there's this whole... So, like, I'm hearing a lot about growth here, like, especially from you, Namir. And Larange and I talked about this a couple times since the project's kind of been um, through... I'm um, going through the rollout. Like, yeah, this is... This feels like a big change for you, too, man. Like, this is... These are like, like the like the first thing I told you when I first heard this album was that it sounds. This is probably your most modern sounding project, to me personally. It feels mm-hmm. very like it just feels very uh, tied. It just feels very tied to everything happening right now in a way that your other stuff doesn't, which isn't a bad thing at all. I just think it's a new direction for you that I, that, that really got to me, and and a lot of this shit is very minimal. Like even like like to me like gassed up and point to point like I w- I never would have guessed that you produced those because like it's just so so sh- like I don't even want to say stripped back but it's just like I I guess stripped back so like so like for you like what kind of and, and and then on top of all of that like there's no um um there's no act breaks there's no vocal interludes like this is all like this is very new for you so like what really inspired you to not do what inspired you to not move in those directions the way you did before uh you know i i wanted to make something that was uh really clean and that uh was really based in in our creative instincts rather than uh i think what i was calling it was our, our dumb human brains you know, because mm-hmm. I think he, uh, Namir and I are both so hyper conceptual when it comes to records that sort of ironically, it was like, you know, polarity where I was like, man, you know, wouldn't it be interesting for us to not do that? You know, And so it was like to be able to like um, uh, strip away some of those those like intellectual layers and just have something that was very instinctual, uh, uh, fun and raw and like you know, I was really playing with the idea that a lot of what growth means in a creative way is refining your creative instincts. So it's not so much about um, uh, the polishing and the rewrite and the drafts. It's more about, you know, um, training your musical brain to make interesting decisions instinctively. And I think those are very interesting to listen to when I hear those. And so, you know, there's a time for polishing something and making it really refined and beautiful, like a feeling on traveling circus, right. Or, you know, I think maybe like, um, uh, 
you know, like, like a complicated life of violence that I've done where everything is real beat for beat, narrative based and, and very conceptual and ironed out. And I think there's also a time for really enjoying yourself and making something that's just like, it's just what you want to make. It's just a vibe you're on. And, you know, I think it's, it's just like, um, to me, it feels like this is the type of album that I just wanted to sort of just be injected into people's veins directly instead of having to go through all of the circulatory system and be ingested through the stomach and the brain and, you know, synapses. I just wanted to, this shit to feel really good. And, um, it is a very, it's much more minimal creatively. You know, after I finished uh, The Ordinary Man, which was like, I don't know, three albums ago or something like that, that finished that little thing that I wanted to do. It was this, you know, perspective trilogy that I had been working on. I did that. It did feel like it was the last chapter in that that I wanted to sort of create as, you know, The Mad Rider, The Orchid Days, The Ordinary Man. Those three are those three that, you know, kind of um, bookend each other. And so uh, I, I am not interested in repeating myself, you know, and so making something that's, that's sort of clean and modern and interesting that reflects the type of music that I'm enjoying and the type of music that um, makes me feel good right now, the type of music that I like, you know. And, uh, but I also, you know, more working with Namir more than any other artist I've ever worked with, I have been unable to predict what the what the song would sound like when I got it back from him. So I would send him a beat and it could be A to Z and he's on like, yeah, you know, my approach doesn't even fit within the system. I, I went instead of A to Z, I'm like out and like, you know, Quapple or Indigo, you know, just yeah. invented new shit, you know? And then he's, uh, uh, <laughs> and so like hearing the songs, you know, I mean, it was after like the first like three songs. I was like, "Yo, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like throw the wall here because he's about to find some avenues that I, I'm not even into." Um, and so, for him to bring that sort of style and to elevate these beats in that way, I was like, you know, I, I want to make something very clean, very something very um, uh, sleek, you know, that's uh, uh, and let let his creativity really shine, you know. Right, and yeah, like. And I think, and I think that really bred some like beautiful results out of here. Cause like I brought up, I can change before. And like, that's something that I don't think I've heard from either of you. Cause like Namir, I was listening to scatterbrain a little while ago and like, like, I, like, I don't think uh, th like there's nothing that I could pick out in either of y'all's discographies that sounds like I can change. And that's just such a, like, except for like LaRange, maybe, maybe the little holiday EP you put out a little while ago, like it kind of has sort of that same vibe to it, but it's not the same. It's, it's, it's reminiscent of it, but it's, it's just different. And it feels, yeah, it just feels like that. And that's such a good example of that too. Cause you know, when I was sending him beats, I was sending him normally there's like a 72 hour delay from when I make a beat to when I listen to it and I'm like, okay, I, I was really feeling this when I made it, but I've been wrong before. So normally right. I like to sit with it. But with him, I was just like, fuck it. Just as soon as it's off of the MPC. And I'm, I'm like calling him the next day being like, hey man, I just want to apologize for those beats I sent you last night. I'm listening to these <laughs> now and these are really trash. <laughs> like these are just bad, man. I don't know what I was on last night. <laughs> so, but that was actually one of them where I was like, Yo, I don't know what this is, man. I mean, it kind of sounds—I don't know what this is. And he was like, "No, you know what? I actually think I fuck with this one." Like, really? Like, you know? And so, like, <laughs> listening to it, I'm like, 
I'm listening to that now and I'm going, damn, I made a beat, but I wasn't feeling like that before he recorded to it, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's always the ones it, or not always, but it's, you know, it can really be the ones you least expect that just mm-hmm. like hit. And yeah. And yeah, like once it was a, once it was a full thing. Um, so like you mentioned, so like you, so you mentioned things that you were kind of being inspired by musically. And this is like, I'd like to start with you, LaRange, but this is really a question for you both. Like, like, because this sounds so modern and it feels so kind of attached to the moment, uh, like, was there anything in particular that you like, are there any like specific like examples of like stuff from like the last few years that you've been listening to? That's kind of, that kind of puts you in this headspace. Uh, can I be completely real with you on this answer? Cause please bro. Yeah. No, there's not. I was inspired okay. by 140 beats per minute. That was right. really the main thing that I was super excited about because I've made all this music operating on this one thing. And then I started to hit this stride on these Marlowe albums where I was going into that range doing these halftime kind of, you know, grooves. Yeah. And so, no, there's not any music that I've listened to. That's like, Oh shit. I want to make music like, fucking whoever right that's that's not if i ever had that thought i would shut myself down immediately i i just Mm. that's my brain is like so tethered to me being like every i have has to come from inside of my brain somewhere you know or my experience like i want to be like oh shit i i just saw this tree i like i'm gonna make a song like that you know like to be just I mean, even if it's not true right it's a, it's a delusion everything comes from something else but i have to convince myself that that's true so no there's no new music but when i started hitting around that 140 that 150 even the, like 180 making these like these sort of double time things and i started going like oh shit i'm getting good at this that was when i was like yeah you know namir really fucks with that groove and it makes it very unpredictable because what i was learning while i was making you're messing with those times with those beats per minute, uh, um, you know, for people like with those faster, slower times. So, so, you know, it gives artists a lot of room to do a lot of different things or, you know, a lot approach that. And with an artist like Namir, I was just so, I was having so much fun making beats on those. Cause I'm like, man, this is a whole new range for me. I mean, people want to go, Oh shit. LaRange is, 145 beats per minute but hopefully there will be something that feels different about this because it was just so much fun for me to explore this new territory and i was feeling you know confident enough with with what i was doing that i wanted to sort of make the whole album to to be sort of a tribute to that that groove right yeah because like you could even like you could even like you look at a song like nihilism and then you look at a song like corner store scandal and then you look at a song like uh even like murphy's law or like pipe dream you know like that's the whole expanse of the album you know and like all and like none of those songs have the same bpm none of them have the same vibe even like or or like i or like, like in a sense they do but like i mean like just like they, they they don't they don't feel like carbon copies of each other like but yeah this is this is what you'd be surprised at those are probably all within 20 beats per minute of each other but the reason that they feel so vastly different is because of mm. the variety of Namir's approach to these beats and the right. variety of like grooves that I can I can make around there so you know it's like not adhering to this sort of boom bap sort of formula was really really fun for me and knowing that I 
you know, I had a safety net under me because I can do a lot of weird shit. And if Namir rocks with it, then he's going to crush it. And so knowing that I had, I, I just had so much confidence in his approach to this music that I could go in a lot of different directions. And, um, and, and I would be positive that these would have, these would be fresh and new and like interesting, compelling sort of lyrically and, um, and inter- musically. Right. So yeah, like Namir, like was there anything like was there anything was there anything specifically like like you already mentioned the movies, but was there anything like specifically musically that you were on at that point? Man. Hmm. I think because um like I go through phases to where um I just listen to just like a bunch of other shit that isn't rapping. And I think around that time um i was just like let me see like who's who's out here doing shit and i think i listened what was i listening to i know i was going back and listening to a bunch of cameron i listened to one of the greatest mixtapes of all time um dj drama and pharrell the in my mind prequel um wow i listened to uh, another one of the greatest mixtapes of all time um fucking cool kids with Don Cannon going fishing. And um I was listening to like Young Jeezy and um yeah, just like a bunch of shit like that. And then I was like listening to um Anderson Pack. Um I was listening to like some like Obliv and like fucking fly Anakin type shit. Um I was listening to a bunch of the niggas from Griselda, a peep Jimmy's project. Um, the Harry Frog peep- one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. and... Um, yeah, that shit is gas. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Fucking killer. And I peeped uh, Cameron's new joint. And um, I was just... Yeah, I was just listening to all of that shit. And then going back and, like, listening to, like, Stevie, Roberta Flack, um, a bunch of people from, like, the fucking 80s i was listening to roger zap uh so on and so forth and i felt like all of those kind of passively um influenced like what i like a lot of um a lot of what i did on the project and um of course like i was listening to a lot of frank um but like that's like a given like i'll go yeah like at least like a couple weeks and then just like jam some frank um and like Solange and Tyler and all of them and then come back but uh yeah I say like all of those passively influence like my writing style on the project the way I wanted to approach it and um I watched how all of those artists managed to stay relevant throughout the years by like adapting their styles by um like keeping their ear to the ground with what's going on. And I viewed it as like a really, really unique opportunity to bring like a modern flair to these like left field beats with like all these crazy samples and shit. And I was like, hell yeah, like I'm gonna rap on this like three, four beat with like triplets because that garners triplets because like this is what everybody's listening to now this is what like the young like this is what appeals to the younger generation's ears when you hear a nigga go hippity bippity flippity dippity da and i was just like bet yo i was like i'm gonna try 
to like just do some jarring shit and rap like this on just like this fire ass three four sample beat yeah and like and that's imaginary like everything you're talking about i love like yeah. that's what i love about imaginary everything the title track that like 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 that's like on like i'm, I'm sorry to cut you off like three, three or oh, four persons in like that's three or four listens in that's one of my favorites it's or more than three or four listens in like it's really just that's the one that keeps on like it, it really grew on me in a way that i wasn't expecting because i liked it but like going mm-hmm. like i listened to it again right before i came back on and i or right before we got on the phone and i was like wow like this is really like this is the one like for both of you mm-hmm. I love that. It was anyway. a bitch to keep those pockets too, man. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> bet, and it's funny because, um, like, they kept the too many pockets because, like, I, I was definitely on like probably my tenth try trying to record that bitch. <laughs> and like at this point, like, you know, when like you're recording and you're just like, all right, man, fuck it. This is like the eighteenth try. Like, I'm not even like giving myself a count off. Like, I'm just like hit and record like no four counting like this shit is just gonna start and like i was drinking water and shit and i was just like mm, ugh, too many pockets <laughs> just out of <laughs> sheer frustration i love <laughs> the ad libs on this album kept that shit. it's top tier ad libs yeah <laughs> i love i love some random ass ad libs on there that's my favorite shit it's so human mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah, me too. No, like it, it really adds to it, and like it's it's it feels it doesn't feel forced, you know. Like it's definitely like some frustration or some like oh I tripped on my shoelace or some shit. Like <laughs> oh yeah, the, yo yeah, that's the good. You dropped shit. your pocket, right? <laughs> too many pockets. <laughs> too many fucking too many pockets, pockets, yo. <laughs> too many yeah. pockets. It's because your voice is so has so much like pitch to it, just naturally, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I I felt like you know. Deleting one of your ad libs on one of the on one of these songs is like fucking painting over a Van Gogh. It's just like why? Man. It's so, you know, it's it's just so there's so much texture to it. <laughs> We're doing yeah, wow. We're all doing the fucking <laughs> Italian chef kiss shit right now. Yes. That was that was that that was beautiful. You you, you freak you, you freak that shit. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah. So, so to kind of, so to kind of bring this whole conversation about the album full circle, um, just like talking about how you both have grown and just like all the different avenues you've taken and all the different, all the new experiments you kind of tried and pulled off here. Like, what's the one thing y'all want people to take away from imaginary everything? Like, especially like people who are fans of you before who like kind of grown established to what you can do. Um, and, to, and and especially to newer people who are kind of here for the first time. Well, for me, like like Namir said, you know, I what I really love about about this album is that Namir and I, when when I pitched this concept of just being like, "Yo, let's just fucking have fun," like I want to have fun on this record. I you know I've done so many albums where they're so serious and there's so many things on there that I'm trying to touch on that are very deep and personal to me. And this album is very personal to me as well, but it's 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 a different side of me, you know. And so I I coming from you know if somebody is listening to this album in the context of my discography, I want you know to kind of communicate that this isn't from uh, a record about depression or about you know grief or loss or anything. It's it's the same shit. It's just it's just this is this is a different side, right? This is like this is um. A side of me that I haven't felt comfortable communicating, but 
it's just as important, right? You know, yeah. um, being able to have fun and, and, and trust your instincts and be able to, you know, um, vibe with something and, and that to be the whole story. I mean, like, that's not a, the narrative that people want to put in clickbait, but that's important to me is like, you know, um, in, enjoying yourself is, is just so important. And it's something that hasn't come easily in my life. And it's, uh, and it's um, for me, taking a break from the heavy concept is such a, a, a personal triumph for me because it, uh, it means that I'm trusting myself creatively and, and trusting myself personally to be able to, um, you know, love what I do and that be enough. That's, that's beautiful. Like that's, 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 that's like the essence of life <laughs> on some, on some cliche shit, like enjoying <laughs> yourself is the essence of life. So like you need that yeah. in there. Um, Namir, enjoying yourself or, and like enjoying yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like having fun, but also enjoying your, who you are is like, yeah. you know, on some realize, yeah. realize, realize type shit. Realize, realize. <laughs> brother, brother, brother. You see, it's the trichinosis of your mind, brother. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's like a piano in the dark. Shit. <laughs> every time I'm talking, every dark, time, bro. every time Andre comes up, I'm just like, yes, like a piano in the dark. Every, <laughs> <laughs> I can't not go to there. Yo, that's really My, this is just a little aside solemn solemn always tells me that the only reason the only reason that people like andre more than big boy is because of that line is it all started with that line <laughs> that softly as i if, as if i play piano in the dark in the dark yeah <laughs> they're like oh that's it andre's better than big boy for life <laughs> oh man that's that's so interesting that one line because like i could hear it in my head as soon yep. as you said it just like the way he it's iconic it in a real low-key yeah. way <laughs> yeah anyway that, yeah <laughs> Yo. no that's funny because people because i don't want this to go too long but yeah people were talking on twitter about the whole andre big boy thing again it came up because it always comes up like every month and a half i guess and like yeah like Nah, they're both great. Like people, people, people really try to hoe out Big Boy, and that's not fair because Big Boy is the best. Like they're both the best. Like, like, like Outcast is great because they're great together. It's not like Andre and then nobody else. You know, like you could tell, you could really tell who's only listening to Hey Ya in their life. Like, stop, stop. <laughs> but, <laughs> but before I get too off track. Uh, Namir, what about you? What do you want people to take away from this about you, about your creative process, about your brain, or anything? Or do you just want them to fucking just tap in and go for um, it? Fuck, man. Uh, I definitely want people to take away um, from me personally that um, I can rap rap, nigga. I'm on your ass. <laughs> there it is. See? See? I can, I can fucking rap rap. I'm on all you niggas. <laughs> I fucking love that answer. That's the, that's the best. I'm not uh, even gonna lie. That's exactly. You know, not everything's not everything is, is is that serious. He can rap his ass off. That's what it is. Right. That's it. That's it. That's all, that's all you need. Like, you know what? Not everyone can wrap their ass up. True. I mean, real shit, man. It's a, it's a lost art. 
And um, I feel like people who can rap, we constantly face um, trying to dumb ourselves down so we can fit into an industry that has been garnered towards things that are more easily consumable to where we don't have to think about it. Like people listen to a rap song more for a vibe than the lyrics. And we kind of have the challenge of figuring out how to master both of those and give yeah. people like, you know what I mean? Like that vibe, yeah, that vibed out shit and give them like a little bit of substance too. And um, I felt like this was a project that I could really, really let loose on and just get my rapping shit off just in case like niggas got shit twisted right. and like thought I was out here for play play. It's like, no, I've been doing this since I was a small child. And it's just like, I feel like not a lot of people want to be the best in the industry and the people that do want to be the best, you see where they at. And cause they, they, they tell you, they tell you in interviews, they tell you in your songs, like the big three, are all people who said at some point in their career, I want to be the best. I want to be a legend at this shit. And the industry is filled with a lot of niggas who just want to make money. And yeah, like money is amazing. I'd love to make money. I'd love to be rewarded for the time and effort and diligence that I put into my craft. But also I want to be the best. I want to be in top 50 conversations and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. And in order to do that, it's just like, I'm going to have to step up and work and really like show people like, yo, I have not only am I good at rapping, but I have a really diverse style and I can do so much more than um, just rapping as far as like um, diversity and flexibility when it comes to like beat selection. It's just like, I can make any beat sound flames by just knowing how to approach it, finding like different things that I love about the beat and expounding on those and celebrating those and um, just making something amazing. So yeah, I want people to definitely know that about me personally, um, as far as just like the grand scheme of things and like for other people personally, what I want them to take away from the album is, um, yeah, just like just like my man L said, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy yourself while enjoying yourself and never limit yourself or your creativity to just one thing. You could do anything in the fucking world. Like anything that you want to do, you can do it. If you're a rapper, you have to be able to rap over any type of beat. You have to master the old styles, the new styles and look towards the future of what you want music to sound like in the future like you have to like constantly be building on that shit so i definitely want the listener to take that shit away i definitely want them to dance i definitely want them to feel like they are the character going through the different motions going through the different phases i definitely yeah yeah i want people to cry to it laugh to it um dance to it i want motherfuckers to get married to i can change or i want niggas to send their their ex-girlfriends like <laughs> i can change <laughs> like it's just like hey look this song made me think of you snot bubbles going down your nose and shit. Mm -hmm. this is like i need all of that man and um just to show people like 
yeah, you can make your own beats, but it's also fun to collaborate with somebody. Collaboration is fun. It's key. It's integral. It's a part of what pushes our culture forward. And yeah, like we should keep the trend of doing it as much as possible. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree more, especially on that last part. And yeah, just like having that range. And um, I, uh, um, I got to talk to Jim Jones about that earlier this year. I wrote a whole piece about it, about like just like him growing. And that's just, and that's exactly what he mentioned. He was just like, you got to be able like, you just got to have your ear to the streets with everything. You know, and like mm-hmm. that's how that's how you get to the point where he's at, where he's, you know, where he's like creating dope shit and he's pushing 50, you know, like not. And and, yeah. and like especially considering all the people we've lost who didn't even make it to 50 or just made it to 50, like DMX, mm-hmm. like DMX had Ugh. just turned 50. Like so like that's, you know, like it's that's yeah, that's so crucial. And um, y'all, this was dope. This is I got nothing else. This is this was this, this was fantastic. Like. Yeah, it was a pleasure, yeah. man. man. I really appreciate you wanting to have us on. You know, that meant a lot. So, you know. Oh. Of, of course. Like, you've, yeah, like, Larange, like, you've been such a supporter of this entire project since before it even came out. So it was, like, it was a no-brainer. And you sent me the project, and I've been a fan of Namir already. So, like, just, like, Namir getting to talk to you and, like, really getting to know y'all, like, we we needed to make this happen. So absolutely. absolutely. Two of my favorite people I've met doing, doing this music stuff, man. So, you know, it's, uh, I can't think of a better situation to situation to talk to, uh, talk to y'all. Much love. Oh, yeah. Wow. Out of blast. We're friends now. Hell yeah. Forever. Nah. Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like subscribe and tell a friend to come through next time. One.